There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to part two of the Ironbrew podcast in conversation with Paul Hayes. At the end of the first part, we discuss Hayes' first spell with the club and we join the conversation now during his time at Barnsley. Obviously moved to Barnsley and then it wasn't long before you were back at Glanford Park. It was a couple of games into the season uh, and you obviously scored against us. What were your feelings about that? And kind of was it strange playing against all your former teammates? Yeah, so building into it, it was a Tuesday night game. And obviously I lived in um, Port House in um, Barn-upon-Humber, literally that, that, that summer. So I was living in Winterton beforehand uh, with my ex-wife and, and, and uh, she was pregnant at the time. They were, were my oldest at Harry. And, um, and we just bought a house in, in, in Barn-upon-Humber. So... Um, Travelling back and forth, I thought, well, oh, you know, it's going to be any closer to my to my house sort of thing. So it's Tuesday night going, went down there. The weird, so obviously driven in there sort of thing. Uh, people starting to give you abuse sort of thing. And then building up to it, I just thought this is such a big game for me personally. Because maybe not so much for Barnsley and everything. Even though we, it was, I think a few games in, we was doing well. We won the first couple of games. So we're in around, obviously, top three. Um, but for me personally, I thought this is, this is, I've been here for, for two and a half years. I've got a lot of... I've been good, I've been bad, I've been different. I've got already two and a half years, I've got a history here at the club sort of thing. And like, I just felt like I've got a lot, I got battered up to that game as well by the press, by the fans, um, by everything. So I thought, well, do you know what? I need to, I need to play well. Do you know what I mean? I need to win because it's, it's case of like, it's pride's at stake here. Not to like throw it in anyone's face, but it's pride. Do you know what I mean? Like they beat, they beat me. I've made, everyone says I made the wrong decision. Ha <laughs> ha, I'm off my face. If I win, I can say, right, I feel better about myself now. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't want to be defeated by this. Um, and I remember obviously going into it, I was just really, really like pumped, really ready for it sort of thing. Because I was up against Crozza and, and Butts, um, two meters at the back. Um, and, I, and obviously big muzzy in goal, sort of thing, lovely guy. So I thought, do you know what? It's going to be a tough game because the two hard centre-arse, but I backed myself with me and Nardiello. Like we could be a bit nippy, quick around these. We've got um, Steve McFowl in centre-mid as well most intelligent midfielder I've played with sort of thing that could feed us sort of thing. And like I say, we had Martin Devaney and, and Chris Shukri for wing that, you know, very tricky wingers that we cross in and get goals. So I thought, we'll cause problems. Do you know what I mean? We'll do well. Um, and obviously, Nas have brought it down, taking a touch, chipped over Butts' head. I've run on through. I've, obviously, he's tried to pull me back. I've played on. I've reacted first before him, got a touch and then put it in the goal past Marcus Williams. And, Obviously, you can't see it, but I'm I'm sh- I'm clenching my fists. I'm shaking just purely because I was I was clenching my fists because of the way me and Lawsy fell out at the end. It was a case of like you say, he 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 obviously didn't give me much love to want to sign, and then when I want to sign, he bad me in the press, like saying you know I was this that the other selfish or do you know what I mean um, doesn't care about the club, you know uh, you know he's gone for money. He always sorts of, he, he leads things out sort of thing, and it made me think like. That one there is for you, Lawsy. Sort of. I would never ever run over to the bench to celebrate. I think that's very disrespectful. But I'm just there clenching my fist, and I didn't want to celebrate in front of the fans. That's disrespectful. But just clenching my fist, up, as in like I've I've, got, I've made a point here to Lawsy, sort of thing. So that, that one point there, I did make it feel like a little bit of a point. But it was it, obviously 
Scovel winner one and two one. It was it was a hard hard for me personally. Like boys in there after we had a bit of an argument sort of thing. You know, you should do this, you should do that. You then done better sort of things you did, but got stuff. And they just went home sort of on the bus. But I went home really defeated, thinking like my pride's my pride's gone there sort of thing. Like I've just just lost like everyone there. Whenever I go to the shops or wherever, take the kids to school or wherever it is, can all frat my face now. Like how? Why do you leave that sort of thing? So it was it was quite a hard. Halfing at that time, sort of thing, because I didn't want to leave on bad terms, but it felt like I did leave on bad terms. That makes sense. Uh, we'll come back onto Scunthorpe in a second, but we just want to stay with Barnsley because whilst you're at Barnsley, you had uh, quite a few significant moments in your career. Obviously, you got to the the playoff final, you scored the penalty, and then going up to the championship. How how were those moments, and how did you adapt to the championship going forward with them? Yeah, so obviously, you know, first moving to um, you know, I'll be obviously a, a bigger club, new environment. Uh, players and staff and um, fans that obviously I don't know they don't know me so it was a it was quite a, an eye opener because like I say when I first moved to um, Scunthorpe I was a young boy that obviously you know just being released um, from a youth team contract and I obviously had to find my way so a little bit going to Barnes was a little bit more of a um, in a way a little bit more of an established player than what I was when I first moved before and where there's a little bit more pressure on you Um Again, obviously, we had to because I was on the age of um, 24. It was, obviously, I was a, it was a tribunal. So um, obviously, later on, obviously, weeks went through the courts and stuff like that, which was quite new to me as well, and quite a surreal thing going to to a little courtroom with um, Scunthorpe people and, and and the Barnsley representatives. Um, yeah, the money came out about 400 grand, I think it was in the end, uh, for me to be there for the two years. So. Um, you know, I had that little bit over my head going into um, a bigger club as well. So there's a little bit more pressure on myself then. So, um, but yeah, no, it was it was really good. Like I said, a, a really a really nice, good manager that looked after me. Um, the lads were good, even though I'd say probably as a group we probably wasn't very professional as as, as an outfit. But um, we had bags of ability in, in the group. Uh, in obviously on the on the match days, and we we obviously performed and got into the playoffs managed to score obviously in the playoff semis and the, and the final and scored a penalty and we, we won at the end of the season to go up to the championship so it was a um, like I say it was back-to-back promotions for myself so it made me realise I made a, a right decision to make obviously personally and uh, moving up to the championship was like a like a surreal thing because like I said before and where you have your short-term medium and long-term goals where you know I wanted to make sure that I was back in the championship at 23 at the latest when I got released at Norwich at 19 and I'm back in there when I'm 21 so I was two years ahead of of my medium plan, should we say? And I was um, I was really proud of myself to uh, to achieve that. That was obviously your first taste of Championship football. How did you find that? It's a lot different, and it was um, you know, it's a little bit more where you you line up in a tunnel or you're going out on a play on the field where you watch these players on match of the day beforehand. You know when we're um, you know the sides that have been relegated, from, the three sides got relegated from the Premiership. You know you're only watching them literally four or five months ago on match of the day and, and playing against, you know, in, in the top top league, as we say, in the world. So it was a little bit of like a surreal, as in like, you know, wow, this is this is my level now. This is what I'm at. This is what I've, uh, I've worked hard to achieve and stuff. And I just wanted to, to cherish it. And, and to be fair, I started off the season really, really well. I think, um, I, think I scored something like four goals in six or seven games. I think it was. And um, I was like in the top three of the, the leading scorers in the league. So it was a little bit of a, Wow, like, is this really happened? Like, two years ago, I'm playing League Two football and now I've gone into League One, only had a season into the Championship. Now I'm in, you know, back with Michael Chopper, I think it was, and um, 
I'm trying to think who else was up there with me in, in the in the leagues, but do you know what I mean? As in like, you know, big big boys in the um in the championship. We regularly play there all the time or in a prem. So it was um it was surreal but also a confidence and, and um thing for myself. So I was I just took it by in a way a little bit by storm where I was just my my um performances were just I was just performing week after week and my confidence was getting higher and I believed in myself and we was doing well. And then like anything, because obviously the novelty wears off where you know, you start the season, if you get promoted, majority of the time you start the season quite well and then it hits you after about a month, two months, three months. Something hits you where we went through a bit of a bad patch. I went through a bad patch as well. I wasn't really scoring, sort of struggling to perform well. All, like we all did. I think we all got found out a little bit because we're playing against big teams. And then we, um, yeah, and then the manager got sacked. who obviously booked me in and, and we went up. And then um new manager come in, well, it was the youth team manager that took over. And then he started playing me right wing, which was very, very unusual to me. Um, went through a stage where like, so the, um, the youth team manager took over and it was really weird because we signed five players on that day when beforehand we had a um, the old manager got told that there's no money in the club we can't bring anyone in you know we've got to stick with the squad that we've got and we thought we we're really going to struggle now we've got, we've got you know we need to invest in some players if we're going to stay up and um, and then straight away the youth team manager took over and a chairman went and signed five new players for him Grant McCann was one of them um, Sam Togwell was another one I think it was uh, Leon Knight um, who else did he bring in uh, is it uh, Ronnie Woolwork you know from Man United yes I think it was um, so brought in about four or five different players and I thought this is very very like strange at the moment so I was thinking hang on a minute he's, he's brought in Leon Knight a forward um, I don't know if I'm going to play here and then he named his team and he played me right wing in the first game I think we played West Brom I think it was at home and uh and I thought, this is, I'm not going to say anything because I want to play. So but I'm not a right winger. And then I, I played about two or three months right wing till, till Christmas, I think it was. Um, and then I had a fallout with him because um, Steve, uh, Steve Tilson at South End put a bid in for me. And South End were doing quite well. And I went, obviously wanted to move back down south at that time there because things weren't really going well at Barnsley in a way. Do you know what I mean? The manager was sort of having a little bit of a dig at me and he dropped me a couple of times, went back in. I thought, you know, I've got a year left on my deal. I don't know where I'm going to be. So um, I asked if I could, um, if they'll accept the offer sort of thing. And, um, and then that's just when it went completely sour. And he, uh, he banished me to the, um, to the reserves and to the youth team and didn't, uh, didn't feature me in any of the leagues, um, sorry, in the games. And yeah, I, I didn't get back and play. I had to loan me out to Huddersfield. And that was only me, obviously, saying I, I need to go and play football for myself. And then I went back after a month. And then um, I found myself getting released and going back to Stamford the following year. We mentioned Scunthorpe there, and let's let's go back to them because obviously in the meantime, since you've been away, that Scunthorpe have been promoted to the Championship. Uh, Keo and Sharp, they've both left. Now I remember this at the time actually. We were expecting to sign Jermaine Beckford, and I think Adkins was doing quite a few deals with Leeds at the time, and it, that didn't work. Uh, and then it was when you when it was announced that you were resigning, it was sort of out of nowhere to the fans. You know what what was what sort of went on there with that that resigning. Yeah, no, do you know what? It was really weird because obviously at the end of the season, we managed to stay up at Barnsley. So, um, again, I was 20, 23, I think it was. So, I was still under the age of um, of the Bosman ruling. So, obviously, Barnsley have always paid 400 grand for me. I've only been there two years. And my contract was X amount, as it is. And, um, and how it works is as long as they pay an extra pound more than what you're on, they're entitled to money if a club comes in for you. So... Um, it's the third weekend of May. They've got an offer your contract by. So obviously, end of the season, the manager said, "Look, you ain't going to feature for me. I ain't going to play you. I don't know if I'm going to offer you a contract." And he was being a right dickhead about it. 
So I said, look, I don't really care if I'm honest because if you release me, I'll go somewhere else. If I'm a contract, I'm going to be back here anyway. So whatever you want to do with me, I, I'll, I'll suffer it. It doesn't bother me. So I just played the, you know, the card of that. Anyway, I went away and I knew it was the third weekend in, in May that they got off me a contract. So I bought it, I waited it sort of thing. And in the meantime, Nigel's um, phoned me and said, oh, uh, and I spoke to Nigel for, for a year or two sort of thing. And I said, look, you know, nice, nice to hear from you. Massive congratulations about stuff. I'm really proud and, and pleased that you know you, you managed to do it. What a great squad you got. But I was talking and he was like, I appreciate obviously seeing what you've done. And he said, uh, talk to me about Mark Richards. And I said, okay. I said, look, Mark, obviously Rico, is, uh, he ain't played at Barnsley. He's been released. Um, good target man. Great lad to have around the change room. Really, really, um, really good guy. I'd definitely recommend him to you. But I know Paul Val want to sign him, and I know he's from sort of Birmingham way anyway. So I was like, okay. And then he asked me about myself. He said, what's happening with yourself? So I explained to him about the situation I just said there about my contract. They don't want me, but I think they're going to offer me a contract because they want some money for me. And he, and he out of the blue, and I just said, like, would you consider coming back? He said, it's a conversation that obviously we might lead have with the chairman and, and with, with uh, the staff and stuff. He said, I'm just throwing it out there. And I said, Nigel, 100% I would. I said, I know you know that I, the, the, the love and the, the affection I have for the, for the club and for the fans. And it's the first club I play for. And, and plus, for you being the, the physio there, I know you beforehand and now you're the manager. 100% I'll come back. I know Crosser and Barra, I know half the lads anyway. It's a no-brainer for me. Um, it's okay then. And then obviously, it militarised into a couple more phone calls after a few days. And then, uh, yeah, and then obviously, we, we went and had a coffee and we had a good chat. Talked about it even more and thought it was a big possibility. And then out of the blue, obviously, Barnsley offered me a deal with one day to go. And it was literally, it was £50 more. And then it was like, that's because they want money for me. Um, so I spoke to, to Nigel about it. And uh, Mr. Walton obviously said, look, we'll do it. It's not a problem. Let's, let's get this done. So then obviously we, we got the deal. I was absolutely made up and buzzing with it. And then um, that was it. I was back at Scunthorpe. And you join at the same time as Martin Patterson, and obviously you 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 get quite a few notable strike partners uh, throughout your times at Scunthorpe, and I think he's he's one of them. What was your relationship like with him, and how was it to to play, and and you two coming into the side at the same time? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, it was probably our relationship was probably better a little bit more on the field than it was off the field. Um, I say me and him got along on off the field, but obviously we didn't really you know socialise much off the field. Power was very much. Uh, quite an individual. He liked to be a little bit on his own and stuff like that. And obviously we had, um, I think, yeah, we had um, Corky there as well to come in, Jack Cork um, from, from Chelsea, only 19-year-old boy. And I, me, me and Corky got, I looked after him really well. Obviously, he stayed at my house a couple of times and stayed in, obviously, around it and, and looked after him because it's quite hard moving from the south up north when you're 19 as I experienced it. So, um, Corky and Pato had a little bit of, them two got along quite well. But how, like I say, he kept himself to himself really. But, on the field and in training, like you said, we just we knew we were going to play together, so we, you know, we we had a bit more chemistry sort of thing. But yeah, Pato was was different to what I normally play with because the ones that I've normally been playing with, where, where you look at Keo or uh, Nardiello, they're quite intelligent, good technical players. Um, so you know, they're sort of the players that they were. But Pato was very much like a, just a grafter and got his goals through, you know, for a ricochet or through going, you know, off off a mistake sort of thing. So it was quite hard where, you know, I wanted to play off him a couple of times where he didn't have, like I say, the greatest touch or the greatest vision sort of thing. So I had to adapt my game to suit him in a way. And it was quite hard, really, as a, as a partnership went. But like I say, Pat, who went on the scored 13 goals and got himself a million-pound move. So he um, he done really, really well for himself because he was, like I say, he was a nice boy. 
But because, like you say, he just grafted and worked so hard, he got his rewards. I was, I was pleased for him, actually. I think, you know, when we were all about, it was all out of our depth, really, that first season. You know, we, we tried, everyone tried their hardest, tried to, to make it work, but it just wasn't, it just it was too hard. Like you say, it was Nigel and Cross's first season in the Championship as, as a coaching staff. It was the majority of the players. I remember us sitting in the uh, first day of the season um, and Nigel said, put your hands up if you've played in the Championship before. And it was only me and Izzy Ripen put our hands up. Um, no one else in the whole change room, the whole squad could put their hands up. And that's what, what you say you do with probably 22 players in, in, the, in the change room, 21 players, something like that. And only two of us can put our hands up. So we're sort of going into a, a, a league and a season, which like you say, I think it was the top four league in the in the Europe, if it was for attendance and for money and stuff like that. You've got two players playing, only played, had experience in the championship. It was very, very difficult for us as a, as a team. And Nigel and, and the chairman tried to bring players in a, you know, around Christmas, try and push us on to help us, but they just they just wasn't they wasn't on board, or they just couldn't perform, or they just they were, you know, legs were a little bit gone. Do you know what I mean? It was a bit hard for us as a squad really to to push on, but it made us stronger for the following season. That's for sure. Yeah, obviously that season we were relegated, but as fans, I think at times we felt a little bit hard done by by refereeing decisions and things that maybe went against us. Did did players feel that as well, and did Nigel feel that? Yeah, obviously, I think if you ask every single club in, in the league, they would have said they would have been a little bit done by where refs made bad decisions or didn't get your way or stuff like that. But I always find you make your own luck in the season. It, it averages it out for a course of a season where you get a little bit lucky, you don't get lucky, you feel are done by things fall your way. Um, you play 46 games and ultimately the league doesn't lie at the end of it, realistically. So, like I say, I think we was, we was relegated with two, two or three games to go, I think it was. So, we, you know, we didn't really give ourselves too much of a fighting chance towards the end, really. If it was going into the last game of the season for us to stay up, then potentially we could say, look, maybe one or two games. But yeah, well, I, th- I think if, if we're honest, we was, we was out of our depth, really, as, as a club. Because, like you say, we've not experienced it for so many years. But also the players as well. We, we just wasn't experienced enough to, to understand. Like you say, we're playing against big, big clubs with big budgets and, and experience. And the majority of them, are, like I say, when you look at us as a squad... We had two players that only played in the championship, meaning easier rip pen. The other squads probably had over two players that played in the premiership. So that's what you're competing with. So it was it's just experience, it was men, it was just knowing how to play. And it was just, we were just we were just we just struggled. But like I said, it's a blessing in disguise because we as 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 obviously we how bad we were, we kept Nigel was really good where he kept the bulk of the team, the, the p- good players that obviously good enough for League One. And we, we, we obviously uh, hit the ground running the following year. And do you know what I mean? What a great year that was. Yeah. So how did Nigel approach that summer then? Was it, was it always the aim to get straight back up to the championship? Yeah, definitely. I think, as you know yourself with Nigel <clears throat> speaking to him, you know, like I said, he's the best manager I've played under, the best man management I've ever been under. And he's, um, he's such a positive guy, such a positive guy. Do you know what I mean? He's, He's experienced so um, quite a lot of negativity in his life, and he turns it and spins it into a positive. And um, he never, he never asks for sympathy. He never whinges about it. He just gets on with it, and he looks to the next thing and the next thing. And and his his big saying was obviously we all have meetings on Monday mornings about what we've done wrong and right, and we've clipped and stuff like that. And he always have a blue marker pen, and it's an open floor where everyone can say things or stuff like. That. And things did, did get heated, and things were were said, and and it, you know sometimes got a little bit sour, obviously in that season because you know, all footballers want to win. And when you're not winning, 
you know, you start to have arguments or you point fingers or that sort of thing. So, but it was good. But Nigel always at the end of it was like, right, anyone else got something to say? No one's got something to say. Got a blue line. He puts a line underneath it. Says, right, let's move on now. That's gone. We can't do anything about it. Let's go to training. Let's really focus on what we're going to be doing next week or tomorrow, whatever we're going to do. And it was, that's what he was always doing. And that's what he said at the end of the season. He said, look, it's a great experience for us. You know, we've, we've managed to play at, you know, some fantastic stadiums, some fantastic players, um, big crowds. You've experienced it now. Now let's, you know, do we want to get back there? Can we get back there? Do you know what I mean? Like testing yourself. And it was just that sort of positivity for us to think, do you know what? We have got a good, good squad now. We can really, we can win this league. You know, we can get at this again and experience that again as a group. And that's exactly what we wanted to do. And that was the, the key goal, really, for that season, going into it. And like I said, we had a great pre-season. They brought in, obviously, Hoops, um, which was a natural goal scorer. And it just sort of boosted us because we didn't know anything about Hoops as well when it was... Um, you know, you can start to see players in training straight away in pre-season when we start to mould people. And obviously, brought in um, Josh Wright, um, Michael O'Connor, uh, good players as well. And it was, and he just sort of brought in the right players that we needed rather than the season before, where we had, um, like you say, players that obviously at the end of their careers or just purely there because it was a bit an extra money that they needed or just to play some football for themselves. And it was, it wasn't right. So he brought in the right players and really bought into his philosophy and what we were going with. And it was, it, we started off really well. You mentioned previously, obviously Martin Patterson got his move to Burnley. Um, and I think at the time he did say that he, he didn't really want to play in League One. Did you have any similar reservations with us dropping into League One? Or were you confident we could obviously bounce back and the work the club were doing off the field was going, we're going to reap the rewards of? No, listen, not one part of me when we got relegated even thought about even considering even Listen, our, uh, for my standards, I was quite poor in the Championship in that season. I hold my hands up like you say. I, mean, I think I only got seven, seven goals, I think it was, all season. I think five in the Championship and, and two in the Cup, I think it was. So, I had no, I couldn't have the audacity to turn around and go, I shouldn't be in League One. For my standards at that, I should have been back in League One anyway. So, um, regardless of who it was, but also I got relegated with a club that I had a lot of fond memories with and getting promotion and experienced good things. I owed it to, to myself and to the club to, to get us back up again. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I signed a three-year deal as well. So, I was only a year into my three-year deal. So, I didn't even contemplate even leaving. Um, so... No, not at all. Like I so said, I wanted to play under Nige and, and Crodge and Borough. I, I like the players that he brought in because, like I so said, I knew Grant and Tuggers from um, Barnsley the year before when I was in the um, in the championship when I left anyway. And then it weren't until, obviously, Nige, when, when we was in the championship, he asked me around Christmas time, what's Grant McCann like? What's, what's Togwell like? Do you think they'll be good to our squad and stuff like that? And I felt a little bit important because I was like, 100%, definitely you'll sign Grant and Tuggers because they work well together. You've got the two opposites. It'll be fantastic in our midfield. Um, so I felt a little bit as a, you know, Nigel speak to me about, you know, players or personnel or what I thought as well. So I felt important. I felt um, loved and I, and I really wanted to uh, to achieve something for Scunford to get us back up again, which I, I genuinely 100% believe that we'll, we'll start the season really, really well and, and get promoted. You've already mentioned him uh, just before, but let's talk about Gary Hooper. Uh, because like you said, you didn't really know much about him but like along with Sharp and Keogh, I think you and Hooper have gone down as one of the all-time great Scunthorpe partnerships. So what was it like? Was it quite instant for you two that seemed to click together or did you need a bit of time to work on it? Um, yeah, strange really, because obviously in pre-season you sort of, you play maybe 45 minutes together, then you don't play together. And then between obviously me, Jonathan Fault, Ben May and, and Gary Hooper, the four forwards, wanted to rotate 
into knowing what what Nige really thought was the best partnership and stuff. I think maybe deep down Nige probably knew what was going to be the best partnership, maybe me and Hoops, but you want to give everything a try. And to be honest, in the pre-season, none of us really hit it off with each other in a way in in the friendlies going into the start of the season. And it weren't until, I think it was the last game, I think we played Grimsby um, in a friendly, I think it was. And um, I think Ben May was about to play. And um, and obviously, I think he got injured. So then, um, or he come off injured early doors or whatever it was. I think it was one or the other. I went, I went down to play with Hoops. And then me and Hoops played together. And it was instantly just a bit of chemistry that worked at, at Glanford Park, where um, the last week, last, obviously, last game before the start of the season. And then, obviously, Nigel went with that going into Leeds, the first game of the season. And um, and we hit it off straight away. Like, so we've done a little one-two. Hoops got his goal, went one nil up. And... Um, and then we just went from there. So, but like you say, going into it, we didn't really know anything about Hoops. I think the season before, I think he scored against Scunthorpe, didn't he, in League One for Leighton Orient. So that's where Nice saw him and, and thought, do you know what, he's, he's a player, I want to sign him. And maybe the players probably played against him there. But like I say, the majority of us didn't know, know anything about Hoops. But as soon as he came in, we, we saw, you can instantly know if, if a player's got a you know, good chance of, of doing well at a club by just instantly in, in training what, you know, he's, what he can do. And it was a great finisher anyway. And, like I said, we just hit it off straight away instantly. There were a couple of other signings as well that summer. Uh, Martin Warford was one and Gary Thompson. And they obviously joined and were a big part of that playoff push. Relatively unknown players, but had a really big, big impact on the side. And in the end, sort of that front four for the next couple of years were absolutely lethal. Yeah. I think, like I said, again, I think what Nige is so good at is recruiting. Like the, the personnel, like I say, he brought in Warford from York, who none of us knew. But he just bought into our philosophy and what we're about and stuff. He's, he's, you know, not only his ability of how quick he was and, and his left foot and, and running at people and getting crossed in and scoring goals, but just his work rate. You know, he's, he's a six foot, six foot one sort of guy, quite built. But he, just, he was just up and down and worked hard. And Tom on the other side, who I say Tomo's one of my, my great pals in the game sort of thing, so I'm always going to say few things about him. But again, Tomo's six foot, six foot one, massive, good in the air. But again, he's just a workhorse. And like you say, if you're playing four four two and your wingers are basically your wing backs up and down, getting crossed in, scoring goals as well, contributing, uh, grafting, winning headers, it was just it was just it was just a joy for me and Hoops. Like I say, it allowed me and Hoops to lay play more central where like I say them two stay wide and they weren't coming off the line and and allow obviously between me, Grant and, and Hoots, um, three of us can sort of play with each other and, and do little triangles and, and one twos and, and get our shot offs and stuff. It was do you know what I mean? It was just a recipe for, for success in, in that squad sort of thing. You allow Togs, we call him Dogwell, who just used to run everywhere and tackle everyone and just give it to Grant. And that's all he had to do. And it was, it was, just, it was, just, it was just great. Um, we, you know, we, uh, we, we had a great, like I say, we, we, just knew, we, we all knew individually our strengths. Um, Hoops will go long, I'll drop in. Grant will be sort of number eight and link up. And like I say, Dogwell will just be number four to run around and, Tomo and and, uh, and Walford would just be wired up and down and get in a box where you back four just defend well hopefully but yeah it was a uh, it was it, I say just the philosophy and, and the way the personnel it was Nice done so well in recruit the recruiting that the personnel and the players he had and like I say we we had such good chemistry off the field as well that that, that group there that really pushed us on and like you say you forget Matthew Sparrow as well Sparrow's sending me a right wing that was coming in um, playing a lot of football then obviously. Filling in for people and stuff like that. Like you say, we, we had a we had a squad in League One there that we really backed ourselves really to push on. How much credit does Wharton 
deserving all this because obviously he kept that the, the main part of the squad together and then he obviously let Nigel recruit the players he wanted. Mm. Um, how important was that going into that season? My old granddad, yeah, no, he was, uh, he was, he, he was brilliant. And do you know what? And this is this is what I mean. Like he would look after you as well. So certain things like if we if we won on a on a Saturday by you know if we won two 0 or so. He will buy us all lunch on, on a Monday morning, uh, Monday afternoon, sorry, after training. We'll come in and Nigel say on the board, like, oh, and he'll go, uh, lunch is on the chairman today. Because obviously it's just that sort of like saying, thanks, you know, love your performance. It's just a little something back to the players. And that little bit there just went a long way with us. So, um, and it will give us like a Christmas, you know, when going on a Christmas do with all the lads, it was great, great. It'll give you like a good few hundred pounds. It was just like a togetherness where, you know, the, the spirit and the, um, we just, we just all got along. We all, everyone bought into everything, and it was like you know we we're going to for lunch, and the and the uh, the ladies in the in the restaurants <coughs> all knew us personally. We all got along and looked after us. Um, and then obviously you got the ball boys as well that was just you know buying into what we were. It's just I say, just everyone sort of got along. And uh, I say, Mister Warren, he doesn't get enough credit, and for him to um, to back Nige in in the market because as you can see before it was a um, in the championship, it was quite a disaster because Mr. Walton put a lot of money into into the wages, into the players, and he didn't get it back. And we got relegated and stuff. So for him to take another gamble on the players that he felt I don't know about, I'm not too sure about, but he believed 100% in Nige because Nige knew he's Nige done a lot of um, research on players and their character. And the first thing he would phone up about is what's he like in the change room. What's he? What, what? How? You know? What's his family like? And that's that was big for him because he felt if you've got a if you're settled off the field and you're you know you're a good person you've got every chance to succeed on the field. And he didn't want any bad characters. He didn't want any anyone sort of big time or just there for that sort of thing. And like I say they had a, such a great relationship. And it just and it, like I say just it went into us as, as players. And like I say Mr. Warren, like I say without Mr. Warren. And I'm saying this now, we wouldn't have had the success that we had as a club for 10 years. You mentioned Nigel's prep there with the research he does on the squad and the players and things like that. I think it shows he's confident in the team. Maybe this is why he feels he's able to do this. But early on, he says publicly that the aim for Scunthorpe is to go as far as they can in the Johnson Paint Trophy and get promotion. As players, with that being said publicly, is that an issue? Is that pressure for you? No, no. I think I think we all know... Listen, if we've just been in the championship being relegated if, if us players believed or we said publicly I think you know I think you know we'll look at mid-table just staying up this season I think everyone not only everyone outside the club but everyone in the club would say what's the point of coming to watch what's the point of buying a season ticket what's the point of you know what's the point of this whole season if we're just going to stay mid-table you know the, the aim is like you say when you get promoted like we did in the championship that the first thought is let's stay in this league let's not get promoted let's be realistic where we just got relegated. Listen, I think we got 46 points, I think it was, when we got relegated, I think it was. So it wasn't the case that we got relegated with 20 points and we're struggling and we thought we're well out of our depth here. We got relegated on 46, which was a couple of games more we might have stayed up, do you know what I mean? But we knew we weren't good enough. So going into this league and we kept the bulk of our players and we saw what we could add in pre-season, we felt as a whole group, of course we can. Why don't we thrive for that? Because it's, it's realistic. Of course we can get promoted. Yeah, let's talk about the uh, Paint Trophy final then. Obviously, against Luton, who were, I think they were League Two down the bottom of League Two at the time. And going into that game, I think everyone probably had us favourites. Um, how disappointing was that 
to obviously lose out? And how did that help? Obviously, going back a couple of months later, how did that help in the playoff final? As an Englishman, to play at Wembley was has always been your goal. And um, you know, from I think it was most of us. I can't even. I can't even think. Who, I think Tom has played there before. I think it was, but everyone else is near has, hasn't played there. So it was a real eye opener for us. And like I say we're playing Luton, who were bottom of, or second bottom in League Two. I think it was because they goal because they got deductive points, didn't they? That they were going to get relegated. And we was obviously sitting sixth. I think we was in League One or maybe higher. So 100% we were favourites. Um, and it was just it was yeah it was it was disappointing because we started well. Like I say. Won the header. Hoots went on through one on one, scored the goal, gone one nil up, and then we didn't really properly kicked on from there. And then obviously they got their goals, and we scored last minute, and then they've scored an extra time and, and won it. And it was, uh, yeah, it was really really disappointed. It was really it was gutting for everyone because it's been a while since Scunny fans have been down to Wembley. It was, I think the last time they went down it was when got promoted with, with the legend Garcia, wasn't it? Mm. So. Um, it was, you know, it was everyone going down there thinking we've got this. We felt as players, we're confident that if we perform, we'll win as well because we should do. And we didn't really kick on after the goal, really, and it was disappointing. But the, I always remember this. Obviously, afterwards, when we were all so disappointed and we're in the change room and no one saying anything and we just felt defeated. The words that Nigel said was, is, we have got six weeks left of the season now. We either fold away now and just go through the season feeling sorry for ourselves and thinking that's it now or we give ourselves a platform to say this is what it's like to lose this is what it's like and when we get back here in a playoff final we've experienced it and it will make us push on for the final and win and he said they're the two options we got and I know which I will pick as a manager and I want to see my players now have the same have the same thoughts that because that's the main thing guys because we get back here now in six weeks time we win the final and we forget about this and that's the difference between winners and losers. If you ask all the players that were there, whether it's Joe Murphy, whether it's Marcus Williams, Matthew Sparrow, Gary Thompson, me, who, uh, McCann, whoever you're going to talk to would all think automatically just lost, just embarrass ourselves. Like we've lost to a League Two club at Wembley. Uh, we should win that sort of thing. We, would, we wouldn't even think about the playoff final and how you know if we got back he'll win so the fact that Nigel said that outside the box us made us think yeah this is hard to take but yes our goal now is to get into the playoff final is to win that and it thrived us yeah so we, we needed to draw on the last day of the season against Tranmere do you think the magnitude of the game affected our performance on that day uh, building up to it no we felt really confident because we um, so I think we played Leicester in the midweek and got the 2-2 draw which we uh we needed to make sure that we got into the into the playoff position going into the um, last game of the season, and um, we felt confident from that because they were, you know, crown champions, and um, we sort of stopped that sort of that party at, um, on the Tuesday night. And we, um, yeah, going into, into the build up to the game on a Saturday, we knew how big of a game it was, and we knew that you know we just needed two results out of three, so the everything was in our favour. Um, but obviously, I know the weather. I know the weather was really, really hot. But we, uh, I think we, us as a as a team and, and individual, we, we didn't step up to the plate. I think we, um, not so much that the pressure got to us. I just think we, uh, it just didn't work. We, you know, we was we looked really lethargic. We looked um, low on energy. We looked like um, just wasn't the same outfit that we had been majority of the season. And uh, you know, we was you know we went one nil down 
and then they've um, they've defended really well. And we've, um, like you say, we just we was trying, you know, we was trying different things and, and trying to get the goal that we desperately needed. And it just felt like as the game was wearing on and getting you know close to the final whistle, I was thinking that you know probably it, it ain't going to be our day. And what a you know, it's turning to could have been a, a tremendous season. You know, maybe winning the the um, Jane Trophy Cup, sorry, and um, getting into the playoffs and uh, maybe going up could have been the double. Ended up being you know zero at the end of it, and it's a it's a wasted sort of you know season. So we um, you know we had to to bide our time, and like I say we got a free kick right towards the end. I think the eighty eighth minute or whatever it was, right towards the end. Grant's put a great ball in, and all of the old the old legend that he is, Cliffy Burns, got his head on the end of it. And uh, just the relief, all, all you know, all through the stadium, from the fans, the uh, coaching staff, the players, just that just felt like wow, like this is exactly what we needed. We needed someone to step up, sort of thing, just to 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 settle the nerves, really. Um, and then uh, yeah, we just held it obviously at the end and uh, managed to get ourselves into the into the playoffs, which was uh, which was an unbelievable feeling. We obviously drew MK Dons and they finished above us in the table. I think there were quite a few points ahead of us. Um, that obviously mm. made us underdogs. Do you think um, after that first leg, obviously it was a draw, do you think, did it feel like a bit of a missed opportunity given they had a really good home record that season? They were 17 points ahead of us. You know, we finished seventh, uh, sorry, sixth, they finished third and they finished, i say 12 or 17 points ahead of us and they've only just missed out on the last game of the season so we thought, these ain't no mug sort of thing. They're, you know, they're miles better than what we were in the league. But the consolation that we had is, and where I've, I've experienced it before when I went with Barnsley, is, is once you hit the playoffs, you want to have that good momentum of, you know, you, you obviously you won, you know, you're on a good run, you're, um, you know that you're going to be in the playoffs, so your head's obviously in, in that mindset anyway. So we felt confident in that when MK Dons, like you say, went to the last game of the season, thinking that it could go straight up, and then they've, they've not managed it. So, you know, psychologically, in their head, they're thinking, um, oh, we just missed out there very disappointed like oh, I can't believe that we've got another we've got to play another three more games if we're going to go up sort of thing so already we felt that you know forget the, the points difference and what we've done in the league and stuff like that it's, it's, it's over two games now so we felt that if we can actually perform and do well we will score goals um, we've got a good chance here and like I say I, I quite enjoyed the um, even though it was like only a 1-1 the playoffs was always fantastic and um, like I said I don't think anyone edged the first game you know what I mean we we had a couple of chances they had a couple of chances and it was sort of a you know first leg sort of thing where neither one is really going to go ahead too much and then going into the second leg like you say it was it was really tough because um like I said I think Hoops got injured in the first leg uh obviously after the game he, he obviously was injured sort of thing so we're going into the second leg now MK Don's away like you say with a good home record I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A man uh, who's got 30 goals that season, um, injured. And um, I know, obviously, we had options of, like, say, Ben May or Jonathan Fall or Gary Thompson up front or um, whoever he wanted to play. But it was a case of... Um, you know, your main man. And anyone that misses their main man is going to, you know, you worry a little bit thinking, can we? Can we actually do it sort of thing? So, um, Nigel was very, very intelligent, very clever. Most of you play 4-4-2 and play me and Hoops together with you wingers. Um, but he's changed the, the formation uh, going into the second leg, knowing that how good they are. Um, like I say, I think he brought Crozer back in as well, which was, which was good. But also he played like a 4-3-3. And obviously know that obviously we can win the win the seconds but also play me down the middle and I play Gary Thompson and Wolford either side of me with their pace and a big pitch and, and maybe get them on the counter-attack which really really worked to our advantage because um, they did have a lot of the ball and they switched playing they played lovely football as they did but we, we was a very effective in in the counter-attack and, and, and used the pace and the the energy that we had um, you know with the midfield with with, uh, with Togwell and um Sparrow and uh, Grant. As a player I really enjoyed that game because even though it was a nil-nil it felt like there was a lot of opportunities. You know, we played well, they played well, um, and it was really nerve-wracking going into it. And then we had extra time, then it fell to penalties. And it's like, as you know, a penalties is it's anyone's game. Who's got the more nerve? Who's Obviously, who takes the better penalties? Who, which goalkeeper, goalkeeper can suss out the player for, you know, shot-stopping? Um, and to be fair, it, it wasn't nice at penalties during that season. I was obviously penalty taken for the last, like I say, last couple of years, and then I missed two in that season. I think it was so. Nigel obviously took the penalties off me and gave them to Grant for his responsibility. And um, so my luck, obviously, going to penalty shootout. Grant took the first one, scored. I'm obviously I'm responsible to take the second one. So going into that, you know, my mindset is I've just missed my last two penalties, and um, you know, you don't get no bigger than this, obviously, in the playoffs to to obviously make sure that you score. So the pressure was on me to score, but I felt every confident that I would. And um, it's a relief when your penalty goes in and we go further down the line and, um, and you start to get a little bit more worried as players because, you know, you, you're outfield players, you know, I say more, sorry, I mean, you're more attacking players. You felt confident more in them because you're mostly scoring. So then Spadge is obviously, Sparrow is obviously taking his penalty and Spadge is quite a confident guy, but he's a little bit insecure as well at times. And he, uh, I felt that, you know, um, uh, hopefully he can score, especially for himself, because if he does score, he's one of the players, you will not hear the last of it. He does love pulling his own trumpet. But if he missed, I know I'll always have this over him. So he did miss, and it was a bit of a worry, because then they've gone in front um, to know if they score, because it was sudden death now. They've got a chance of obviously uh, winning, and they, and they missed. And then obviously we've gone to us, I think we've scored come on, and Cliffy Burns gone. I thought, oh, this could go anywhere. Come on, Cliffy, please. You know, you've been a saviour in a Tranmere game. Come on, do it for Scunthorpe. And then he's just, like you say, he's, he's not even at target. At least with Spadgy, obviously, he's at the target. But he's not even at the target. It's gone, it's gone up. How big MK Don Stadium is, I think it's hit the roof. Uh, how, how, how over the bar is hit it. And it was just like, no, this can't be it now. We can't have got this far. 
And then Joe Murphy made another save, which was great. Um, and then, yeah, I think we scored. I can't remember who scored. It might be Marcus Williams. And then um, Torrin De Flo, who you don't think he's going to miss because of the legend that he is and the career that he's had and he's hit the bar. And it's just like you said, we just got mad to think that, yeah, we ain't done it the easy way here. You know I mean? We just squeezed into the playoffs ourselves, playing MK Don, 17 points ahead of us, gone to their place, managed to make it nil-nil penalties. And, we, and, we, um, and here we are going into Wembley. And it was a... Uh, yeah, we had we had a we had a great uh, travel home that night, but that's for sure. Let's move on to the Wembley game then. Obviously, Millwall outnumbered as fans. I think there was forty thousand Millwall fans. Obviously, it was a great atmosphere. Um, but you know, first of all, how was that to play in? And and secondly, given the fact we'd um, lost in the in the paint trophy, what was the preparation like heading into that game? What did Nigel say? You know, to to kind of. Um, get you up for this game and, and make sure we didn't kind of uh, suffer the same fate as we did in the paint trophy. Yeah, it was interesting because um, the like I say the, the the paint trophy where we've lost in the in the final. He said like um, make sure we're back here in six weeks time in the playoffs, and that was a case of pride myself for going into it. Um, you know, for the next six weeks is is full focus on getting in the playoffs, getting to the final, getting getting there sort of thing. So as each game went on, we ticked off, ticked off, going right, we we are where we are, we're in the playoffs, we've gone up and down, we're in it. Then we got to the playoffs, like you say, semi finals and beat MK Dons to get into the final, which again, you know, whatever nice set us out to do in six weeks time, we've achieved it now. So now we're at the final hurdle. We've got to make sure that we win. There's no point going there. And obviously not performing like we did do six weeks ago and got punished for it. You know, it'll be again uh, a season where you think, right, we got to we got to both finals and we lost now. Do you know what I mean? How, how, how do you how do you come back the following season thinking right? Let's, let's really push on. So we knew we were there for a job, and also I think it was Leeds and, and Millwall in the in the other league. So we knew both teams were were um, good sides. Like anyone, obviously anyone is in the playoffs, but ultimately them two sides are are, are, um, are big clubs. You play Millwall, who are a London club, or you play Leeds, who are going to get a massive fan base down there, and it's obviously quite a local rivalry as well. So. Um, we knew either one we was going to play was going to be great, but me personally, I, I prefer to play Millwall because um, we've done the double over them in the league, home and away, um, and I just fancy our chances, especially you know, like I say, playing a, a London side at Wembley down there, it was, it was going to be sweet, you know, sweet revenge in a way. Um, so that was good, and um, the things that the preparation that we did, we did do things differently because it was our first time. I'd say probably all of us probably by Gary Thompson, like you say, in, in, got to Wembley with the experience before. So the build-up was different where I think we stayed at a different hotel. So obviously our mindset isn't the case. So our same hotel, same food, same people we see. So that, that's changed. Also, the um, when we played in the uh, paint trophy, Nice got us in tracksuits saying it's an away game. Do you know what I mean? We, we're going to go there. We've got you know, a reasonably good away record anyway. We're not going to make it about, you know, about Wembley. And, you know, we're not playing the occasion, playing the game. And like I say, we turned up in tracksuits and took it a bit, you know, not so, you know, not seriously, but a case of like, you know, this, we're here to do a job, and we um, and we sort of crumbled as a, as a team. So, nice changed it. He, he made it become saying, well, let's make it a, a home game. Do you know what I mean? Again, we've got a very good home record. Let's make it a home game. So he um, he made us all suited up. Someone come in, uh, suited us up for our suits and for shoes and and stuff like that. So we all all prepared. That, you know, in morning of the day, we're gonna get you know change. We're gonna look smart. We're gonna turn up in our sit on the uh, on the coaching way to Wembley and turn up looking really smart. And um, just the you know the um, the outcome of it was you know we're here to do the job and we're here differently, different hotel, different you know different uh, attire. 
and we um, and we look at this game really importantly. And um, yeah, it was it was brilliant. Like I said, it was a very hot day. It was 101 degrees. Um, playing at London side at Wembley, and um, now we, we was geared up for it. We you know our motivation and our uh, preparation was, was spot on. With all that being said about the preparation, doing things differently, treating it as a home game, everything like that. When it comes down to it, though, actually on the pitch, you stood there as players at Wembley, whistle goes, kicking off. Does that actually make a difference to you? Or is the is the paint trophy result from a few weeks ago, is it actually playing on your mind at that moment in time? No, no. For me personally, I, I like to think the majority of players, we just focused on playoff final against Millwall, better team on the day will win this and get promoted. Purely and simple, no matter where you finish in the league, no matter what's gone on in the past, no matter anything, 11 against 11 on that day, who's better than their man? And that's just purely what I thought in my head. I felt, you know, going up against Paul Robinson and I can't remember the other centre-half. I was thinking me and Hoops are better than you two. No matter who you are, me and Hoops are better than you two. So we're going to dominate you two. And then you look at, I'm looking at Sparrow and Walford. I thought, do you know what? I rate my fault, my wingers against their fullbacks. So then we're looking at things like Grant McCann, Sam Togwell. Grant, for me, is arguably, I would have said, he's probably the best midfielder in that league at that time. So I thought, no one's better than Grant. So already, with five players up against their five. So I don't care what they're going to do. I backed us. And then to be fair, when you look at it, <coughs> Nice took a massive gamble in the playoff semi-finals of bringing Andy Crosby back in the squad, in the team. Because we had that little bit of a was conceding stupid goals obviously towards the end of the season and we didn't really have that sort of leader as such at the back obviously we had Cliffy obviously on right back but obviously Cliffy was his, he, it was leading but it's, you need a centre half and, um, and Nige said to us do you know what boys I'm bringing Crozer back in, into, the, into the team and to be honest because I played with Crozer when I first went to, to Scumfort I was buzzing as a, as a centre forward I thought I've got my leader back my captain and then I thought, wow. Do you know what I mean? But then obviously I banded across at the time thinking, Cross, how is a 95-year-old man going to keep up at Wembley at 101 degrees? It's a massive pitch, Crosser. So <laughs> I'm always bantering him, like playing mind games. But I knew no matter if we played at Wembley or we played at Glanford Park, Crosser is a man-mountain centre-half who's a leader. And I thought, wow, we got a leader back. And I was, I was so, you know what I mean? I, I felt, well, they've got Neil Harris and they've got... Um, Jazz Alexander, and to be fair, the two guys that I know really, really well because both our both um, our sons play at Charlton. Me, me and Gaz now, and uh, Chopper Neil Harris lives just down the road from me, and both our kids go to school together, so I know them both really well. So obviously, you've talked many times about obviously the final anyway. Um, so I, I back Crosby against them too, all day long because they're they're like for like. Do you know what I mean? They're all they're all big men. They want to fight and scrap and stuff. And that's Crosby's bread and butter. So. I felt going into that, right, we've got better players than what they have. We just need to make sure we can play the, the game and not the occasion where we got sucked into last time. So, um, no, like you say, we I, the, the game six weeks ago, that was gone. Forgotten about it. We put the blue line underneath it ages ago, so we didn't even think about it. But what it did do is it maybe thrived us on that little bit more to think that feeling of losing isn't nice. It's horrible. Coming all the way down, travelling 200 miles down to London, the build-up to it, the game. And to think we just played, what it been, 48 games to get here. 46 in the league and obviously two playoff games. To get here right now, to, to, to mess it up, to play the same league again, we just felt, no, do you know what? We've got to make it our day. We have to make it our day. And like you say, that's, that's the mindset of all us players going into that game it was. 
yeah, we obviously had a great start as well with Matt Sparrow scoring after what was it five or six minutes. It was a very good start, and um, you know, you know, you, you get some people saying that you know you, you can score sometimes too early, but I don't, I disagree in that. Goals changing, goals change games, and it's uh, like I say, we started really well. We was like you say, we we've experienced obviously Wembley and the atmosphere and the weather and the crowd, and like you say, we was outnumbered. You know, probably one fan to every three or four of Millwall, so. It, it, you know, you heard more Millwall fans, and there was obviously um, so we was up against it. So we knew that, but we, like I said, we had that at Luton. Luton had more fans than what we did when we played them six weeks ago. So it's experiences that we we knew anyway. So we've gone one new up. Like I say, we've worked down the left hand side. We've got into the middle. Obviously, me and Hook synced up for Walford to get his shot off, had a save, and then Sparrow's there to for his reactions to, to score, and it was um, it was brilliant. And then. Then they've obviously had their little play and obviously their their little momentum went in. They got the two goals to make it two one, and then um, yeah, and obviously we then we've gone obviously second half. We've obviously gone down the line. Uh, Cross come in, Sparrow's in there. He's obviously chucked and scored good composure with his left foot, which was brilliant. Considering like you say, I batted him with his left foot with uh, with his cross against Chelsea. So he must he must have listened to me. He must have worked on it, if I'm honest, because he doesn't normally reach that far. And um, it was great composure. And it was just like a a release. Say, look, you know, we're we're in the game. Do you know what I mean? It's two two now. It's uh, we're going to take it to them. And like you say, the last sort of ten or fifteen minutes, it was it's all a little bit end to end. But no team wanted to make a mistake as they do. And obviously, to win the game so late was it five minutes to go? Just talking mm. through that as as a group of players, how how good was that to get the goal so late and ultimately um, win the game and get promotion promotion. You ask anyone, it's probably the best way of actually winning because they haven't got much time to really counteract you. And then Big Gaz, who scored an absolute weldy in that game, probably like say arguably probably the best goal in any playoff game, has had a header from three yards and he's missed it. And obviously that's a turning point in the game as as a as a player to think, Wow, it might be our day. It might actually be our day. That should go in and he's missed it. So there's there's a reason maybe behind it. And then, obviously, like you say, five minutes to go, cross come in. I've had the shot. It's deflected. Gone straight to, to my man, Walford, who's obviously, if you look at it, it's a horrible shot. It's not great. It's straight to the keeper. And, and to be fair, I know Fordy as well. Nine times out of ten, he saves that because it's, it's easy for him. But on that day, it's gone underneath him into the goal. And how hot and how tired he was, we've just celebrated and gone nuts. And then the last, like I say, the last seven, eight minutes of this, of obviously extra time, um, injury time, stuff like that, was a blur. We're all running on adrenaline. We're all knackered. We've got no energy left and we're, we're trying to clear things. We're getting bodies behind the ball. We're just thinking, hold on to this, hold on to this. And to be honest, it felt like a lifetime. It did feel like a lifetime. And uh, like you say, the rewards at the end of it was, was there to all see. The fans, the staff, the chairman, the players. We was all united and thought, wow we deserve this and to hear on that night obviously when we've parted obviously in the in the hotel afterwards as a group and and got absolutely smashed out our faces to hear that Newcastle got relegated that same day or whatever they did was there you go do you know what I mean Scott, little old Scunthorpe playing Newcastle in the championship the following season it's surreal it's it's what dreams are made of to think that's that's incredible we talk about the championship. Now, obviously, this season, uh, but you, I think you scored 19 goals. Hooper scores 30 goals. Were well, 20, you two, 20 goals. Yeah. 20, 30. Yeah. Were you too <laughs> confident that you could take that form into the championship? 100%. Only purely because, like I say, last time I was there with Scomp with Pato, 
like I say, Pato was a completely different player to what I'm used to. He, like I say, he grafted, he worked hard. He was, he was a very, like I say, selfish striker. He just wanted to shoot. He just, he didn't really want to link up. He wanted to do everything more himself, which is, that's just what natural goal scorers do. But with Hoots, I felt with the chemistry that we've just had there, do you know what I mean? He scored 30, I scored 20. Like you say, it was just a case of thinking, it doesn't matter who we're up against. Yes, they're going to be better players. Yes, they're going to be quicker. Yes, they're going to be more intelligent. But the way we play one and two touch around defenders, apart from the elite ones, we felt confident going into that season. That, do you know what I mean? We might have to adapt our game more and maybe change the formation a little bit different because there's going to be a lot of good sides in that league and we have to be careful. But like you say, when you score 20 goals and your striker scores 30 goals, the confidence, my confidence was through the roof. It's the most confidence I've ever had as a player. And I just felt at that time, whatever we touched turns to gold. Do you know what I mean? As, as a partnership. Do you know what I mean? There were certain things I was doing in that season that I, 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 I look back and think, I can't even, you know, I don't even know how to come off. You know, certain flicks or certain through balls or goals that I scored and, and vice versa. Hoops. Do you know what I mean? It's probably things that we probably haven't been able to do again in our careers because it's just that season them two seasons there just every, like I say everything just, we just touched turned to gold and sometimes you get like that so going into the, to the championship we felt we, not confident as in like we're going to go and score 30-20 goals again but okay so me and him will perform together again in this season we'll, and we'll, we'll, we've got too much chemistry we understand each other we've got too many my, whatever I'm good at he's not whatever he's good at I'm not sort of thing so we you know Jack and Hyde chalk and cheese like, we, and like I say we just had too much chemistry that fell on the field that wouldn't there was too good not to succeed if that makes sense yeah let's go into that championship season then and uh, obviously having been relegated prior you know the season before last how did Nige approach that did he approach it differently um, was he a little bit more experienced and did he bring yeah. more ideas into the into the picture everything everything was everything was different everything was better everything was more experienced everything was a lesson um, it was yeah, I think like you say, I think there was half of us still in that team. No, I mean, I say probably about a quarter of us that had experienced that, and we saw a difference. We had, we had a different preseason, which helped us out. We were, I can't remember. We went somewhere abroad, somewhere different that we haven't been before. Our training in preseason was different and geared up for more for us suited. The games that we played was a little bit more competitive. It was just, it just felt we going into the season. We just felt that, but also we felt really confident because I looked around. And I thought. Near enough, everyone here now has experienced championship football, whether it's been a few games or it's been a couple of seasons, whether it's been. I felt that that, and also I knew we was a better team, better individuals, and like I say, just we just learned from our lessons from from day dot. And like I say, it's a blessing to disguise what happened with with Nigel that season with Crosser and Borough um, to know what they're up against, the stadiums, the personnel, the managers, the tactics, the crowds, everything, as, as well as the, per, the the team that he had they inherit then as well and I think us as players that because we just what we've gone through as a group and he's kept like again he's kept the same squad going up uh, we didn't really we added a little bit but not too too much um, we felt as players that he's got a lot of confidence in us that he believes in us to stay up in this top league against big clubs big budget um, top players that he felt confident in us that made us really believe in ourselves and that's that's what um, a lot of people don't realise is once someone believes in you and gives you that confidence sort of thing you take it to another level in, in football and you you know you, you really excel and you really play your best football and that's what Nigel gave us without even us knowing as players but he really did 
You mentioned obviously just just previously that obviously one of the things we were looking forward to in that season was the Newcastle game. Uh, we can have a chat about that, but another one that's similar, I think, is the away game at Crystal Palace where we end up winning four nil, and, and so you get one in that game. What what was it like to, as the club to get results against teams like that? Brilliant, brilliant. Like I say, I think we went to Derby and beat them three nil as well, didn't we, or four nil? Um, yeah. You know, we went to Palace, beat them four nil. Um, went to Newcastle. <laughs> Newcastle was a funny one because it's towards the end of the season. I think it's like sort of you know March time or April time, wherever it was anyway. But again, you always have your meetings before the games, and um, and we sat there and Nigel's gone through their team and stuff like that. And we're thinking, right, we've beaten two one at home on a Tuesday night. I think it was so we've beaten them before, but we're going to St James's Park. Do you know what I mean in front of fifty five thousand people? It's going to be electrifying. It's going to you know they've got unbelievable players should be in the premiership so like so nice just obviously going through them as you do sort of when you listen and he said listen lads if big crowd they're very noisy but if we keep them quiet they'll start to turn on them like we have done with palace and derby like you say fans start to to, to boo them and, and then you start to feel more pressure and do you know what I mean that, that's the only way we can get through this game obviously we're not going to outplay them we're not going to have much of the ball but we obviously can counteract them with our pace and our ability but also just frustrate the life out of them. Goes out for a throw in that sort of thing. So we have to keep them quiet. You know, twenty after twenty minutes, keep them quiet. That sort of thing. So we've gone into the game thinking, right, okay, we've got our game plan. We're going to keep them quiet. We're going to slow things down. Do you know what I mean? Get them on a counter attack now and again. Sit back. That sort of thing. And then literally, like I say, they've had the corner. Nine minutes in, come to them in. Carroll goal one nil. Ah, game plan out the window now. <laughs> one nil up. The crowd's buzzing. They're buzzing. And then from there, it just it was just one way traffic. There was just obviously attack after attack after attack. I think we got in their box twice in that game, if I'm honest. <laughs> in 90 minutes, I think we got in their box twice. It just felt like a, it felt like a practice game. You know what I mean? They were just dominating. They were so good. We'll try and break. They'll get the ball. We'll sit back again. It was just... But it, do you know what? You're playing against all of them, our premiership players on sort of anywhere between 30 and 50,000 pounds a week. It was... We knew it was out of our depth in going into that game realistically. And it weren't a game that we start the season where we'll chalk off and say, right, potentially a win, potentially a draw, that sort of thing. We, we as, as a group, I think, probably wrote off that game to say, look, if we can get a draw from that, that's like a win. But realistically, it's going to be a loss. But anything at home is a win. And that's how we looked at it, sort of thing. So we wasn't too defeated in that game, sort of thing. But like I say, the Palace one and the Derby one, I think I think we won at Swansea away as well. I think, um, but yeah, no, them sorts of games there where we thought, right, we can get a draw here. We're confident if we can nick a win, fantastic. But if we can get a draw, go back home and win, that's fantastic. But then games there again, it just everything we touched went to gold. Like it was like you say, Palace was like counter attack goal. Do you know what I mean they've got the ball right? Let's let's attack goal, and it just everything went bang bang bang. It was it was very clinical that season, and um, and if you look at it, I think we scored about eighty. 85, 84 goals in that season in 46 games, which is quite a lot amount of goals for us, obviously, considering we're, uh, you know, little Scunthorpe and that sort of thing. But I think we conceded, I think we conceded about 100 goals that season. So it was very strange how we've managed to stay up that season with two games ago. But when our goal difference was, was quite bad because we conceded a lot of goals. But again, like I said previously, if you score goals, you've got every chance of succeeding and winning leagues or staying up sort of thing. And that's what we had. We had goals in us that would keep us up. Hence why we won the Derby 4-0, won at Palace 4-0, won at Swansea 2-0. Do you know 
we had goals in us, and and that was that was that was a big confidence boost from when we was in the championship last time, where we were thinking it's only really Pato that's going to score realistically. Do you know what I mean people might chip in now and again, but we all had to really rely on Pato. Where this season was a case of Hoop's got a chance of scoring, I could score, Wolf has got a good chance of scoring, Grant will always score a free kick or a penalty sort of thing. Hopefully, the centre half will come up and score. We always had we had goals in us as a team. And we couldn't just rely on one person. And that was another confidence boost going into each game, thinking we've got a chance here of, of nicking something. And that season as well, we obviously get to play Man City in, the, in both Cups. Uh, how mm. was that as a player playing against you know, even better opposition than what we were facing in the league? Brilliant, brilliant. And I like to say, because we're in the Championship up against, like you say, the likes of um, Stoke and um, Newcastle and, and, and the top clubs sort of thing, uh, Leicester and things like that, you know, we're playing them week in, week out. So when we did play Man City, it's that next level. But it weren't a case of like, you know, when you're playing Rochdale or Burton, with all due respect. So, you know, we were so excited. Like I said, the first game we played them in the League Cup in the third round, I think it was, or the fourth round. So we played them away and we just thought, what, another another great day out for the fans, for us to, to play against the big clubs, for the club to earn some money as well. It's, you know, that's all it is, like the FA Cup. It's a big day out for everyone. Like, let's enjoy it sort of thing. And it was brilliant. Do you know what I mean? We're, and to be fair, Mark Hughes actually put out near enough his strongest team. You know, he had uh, Tevez, he had uh, Rocco Santa Cruz, he had uh, Gareth Barry and Dijon centre midfield. He had uh, Rabinio playing company at the back with Lescott, Savinio, Richards. Do you know what I mean? It was an, a shade given in goal. It was when, when Nice saw the team sheet, he said, boys, this shows respect for you. This shows how far you've come that Man City, Mark Hughes has to put out near enough his strongest team against you lot, at home as well, at the Etienne. And we looked at him and thought, wow, that's how far we've come as, as a group and in, in individuals. And it was, uh, it was brilliant. Do you know what I mean? We tested ourselves. We've actually, I think, we, I think it was, they went 1-0 up and then we've gone 1-1, didn't we, with Jonathan Fultz. So we've had a little bit of a few minutes there or a couple of minutes where we're thinking <laughs> we're level with Man City at the Etienne. You know, what a fantastic day this is. And then like they say, ultimately their the quality kicks in at the end and the stuff like that and it becomes 5-1 but it was fantastic and then again to play them in the FA Cup what it being probably four or five months later at Glamford Park in the third round I think it was or the fourth round one or the other um, again like you said we've up against them we've played near enough the same squad and the same players again but at our place and it was entertaining it was on Sky um, managed to score one and a half goals even though I claimed Cliffy's goal or the own goal <laughs> it did obviously come off my foot but at the time obviously Cliffy's run away with his hand held up like Shearer does and um, <laughs> you know what I mean I, I can't take that away from, from big man Cliffy so I thought I've got my goal anyway I should have that goal but I won't and uh, yeah we, we've managed to lose 4-2 four, four but again like you say like when we played Chelsea and stuff where Mourinho was allowed you to go into change rooms and have your autographs and have shirts uh, obviously it's a different manager now um, but he allowed us to, to get all the shirts and get things signed and and talk to them, and they were just they were just nice men. I mean, nice professional, good men, sort of thing. All of them. Obviously, Tevez couldn't speak any English. He couldn't really talk much to him. And I don't think many people can speak sort of Spanish or Portuguese in our in our uh, in our group. So we couldn't really talk much to Tevez. But majority of the players, like I say, were were very respectful and they could talk to you. And, and it was it was it was brilliant for, for a club. Like you say, how far we've come. Where do you know I mean we're sort of playing League Two football? probably about five years ago or four years ago it was where and if you look at it maybe six or seven years before that where we nearly got relegated in my second season at Scunthorpe to playing against Man City and they've got to put out their best team at the Etienne 
it just shows the abundance of, of the club and the fans and, and, and the respect levels that we've got now. And it was just, it was just surreal. Do you know what I mean, for me to be part of that, like me, Cliffy, Sparrow, Marcus Williams, you know, the four boys that have come through from the young age of playing way back there to get to here now, we experienced that as much as what fans did or what Nigel did or what Mr. Walton did as, as a club. And it was, it was so surreal. It was so good. It was such an achievement for everyone. Let's talk about the end of the season then, because obviously that's another massive achievement. And the, the game against Reading, especially, uh, a draw mm. would do it because I think Palace and Wednesday had to play each other on the last game of the season. Correct. And Correct, yeah. obviously we're 2-0 down and then we leave it to the last of 10 minutes and Hooper scores and I think Sparrow scores. I think it's right in the last minute, yeah. isn't it? I remember that game. Yeah. It was, yeah. that, that game is right up there for me with Wembley and things like that. What was that one like? Yeah, because we, we had a game in hand. Um, we had three games after the season, didn't we? So we had to play, because of the cup games that we were playing, like I say, previously against Man City and stuff and got so far, we had to play catch-up. So we, Reading at home, was scheduled for, like I say, a Saturday. So we had to play them on a Tuesday before we was playing Forest at home. No, sorry, Doncaster away, second last game season, and then Forest at home. So it had to be scheduled before the, um, the Donny away game on the Tuesday. So we knew with them, like I say, I think it was four points ahead, but they both had to play each other last game of the season. So we knew if we get a point here, is enough. Do you know what I mean? It keeps us up sort of thing. So um, going into that game, again, it's, it's nerve-wracking because like the Tranmere one where you know you can get two results your way, you overthink things. You're thinking, right, okay, this is what we can do because let's, it's not like we're playing, like you say, a League 2 side in League 2 where you think, if we just turn up and play well, we'll win. We're playing Reading who are mid-table and they've got some great players in their team. Do you know what I mean? They're macking off and is it um, obviously Brian Alwood or Ida Barnsley sort of thing, Simon Church up front. Um, do you know what I mean? Go through the squad. They had a lot of good players. And um, so we knew it was going to be extremely hard and tough for ourselves. Even though they're not playing for anything, it's, they don't want to lose. So, um, yeah, we've again, we haven't really performed to our heights that we have done beforehand. Um, but like you say, we've managed to just know that we had, just had to get a, um, a result, a draw. And like you say, hoops to score to make it 2-1 to give us that little bit more, wow, we've got belief now, we can do this. And then Spad just scored, obviously, towards the end to make it 2-2. And like I say, I think Reading then thought, well, look, you know, you know, one of them sort of, that oh, was 2-2, we've not really got anything to play for. We were just thinking, right, we'll stay up. And the last five or so minutes was a little bit of a, I mean, nothing for either one, but we, we felt at the end of it, like, wow, little old scornful. We, we had belief that we could stay up, but not until mathematically that we thought we were going to stay up was it really sinks in to think, wow, this club here is going to be in championship again. So in what it being four seasons, in the last four seasons, three of them, they've been in the championship. And it's, you know what I mean? Like Stonefall, like I say, that no one knew about this, a regular League Two side to League One side, really. I haven't had much success for many, many years. To say that they've been in the championship three years out of four was incredible, was brilliant. Like you say, for the fans, for the club, for revenue of the money for the personnel, for the players to achieve it again, to play in the championship, say they've got another year on their CV that played in the championship, was brilliant. Um, and as I said, you can see the celebrations at the end of it where we're all on, on the director's boxes, uh, dancing around and singing and, and, and clapping and, and all the fans on the, on the pitch was, you know what I mean? It, it stays with you memory-wise. As much as winning the playoff finals and, and playing and scoring against Chelsea and, and playing against Man City and, and the other boys got their individual achievements, that will stay with all of us as well to see the fans there chanting us and cheering us and 
journey to stay up in the championship was was unbelievable. What a great achievement. I think that summer, well, sorry, that season, you definitely proved yourself as a partnership, yourself and uh, Gary Hooper. And I think it was probably inevitable that Hooper was going to move on, but it happened, just so happened you both move on. Um, first of all, how big a blow was it that Gary had left and obviously get his big move to Celtic? Well, I actually moved before Goots. So uh, Hoops, Hoops actually moved after me. Um, it, was, it was quite a... How great the season was, it was quite a... You know, the way it ended was obviously a little bit hard for everyone because we didn't know what league was going to be in. And um, Mr. Warren obviously wanted to sort out contracts with the players, but wanted to throw out leagues and stuff like that. So he started talking to players individually and separately sort of thing. And... Um, so obviously spoken to me and to be honest, we were so close to agreeing a deal. I think it was around March time, I think it was. Near enough agreed it sort of thing. Um, you know, I know that there was a player that was on X amount of money at the time. And I felt, well, do you know I mean I've I've been established for the last two and a half years, done really well come through. I felt personally I should be on more than what that player was on. Um and then obviously we talked about it and we got so close to agreeing a deal. And then, obviously, it didn't get to that mark. What obviously, what thought was going to get to, and like negotiations do, they break down. And then it got to a point where I thought, do you know what, we've been talking now for about six or eight weeks, like prior to that sort of thing. It's probably best just talk at the end of the season because I don't want my form to dip. I don't want to sacrifice Gunfork saying getting relegated because I'm fo- focused on or worried about things or not sure what's going to happen or I might get injured or anything like that. It's probably best to just talk at the end of the season. And um, and that's the same with majority of players, Grant McCann, uh, Marcus Williams, uh, Matthew Sparrow. Hoops obviously has so much interest in him as well because people come and watch him left, right, and centre. It was just it was just playing on a lot of people's. Uh, Murph as well, Dave Murphy in the back. He was out of contract and he weren't too sure about you know what's going to happen with himself. And and we didn't want to focus on contracts all of us when we just needed to play for the club. So we all agreed that we'll play maybe at the end of the season. And like I said, got to the end of the season and like anything, there's a lot more interest in you. Um, and then obviously you start to talk and it's one of them that we, you know us as individuals thought well we've done you know Scumfort's gone so far are we going to realistically be an established championship side are we going to go up to the premiership and stuff like that and then people start to get interested like you say big clubs start speaking to us individually and stuff and like I say we talk to each other about you know what what clubs are talking to who and that sort of thing and like you say it was quite a shame really because then we've all gone our separate ways Um you know, I mean, I went to Preston, Sparrow went to Brighton, Marcus Williams went to Reading, Dave Murphy went to Watford, Grant went to Peterborough, turned down to Sheffield Wednesday to go to Peterborough. And it was like the, the team just got a little bit, like you say, just, as, as Colchester did a good few years back where big clubs went in for all their better players. Only that's just what happened at Scunthorpe because we've gone, because all us individual players went to that next level sort of thing. People started to pick, cherry pick the players and because we was all on Bosman's, because we all signed near us at the same time. It just fell away, and then obviously Celtic coming for hoops in pre-season, and then obviously he's gone up to, to Celtic. So it was it was a massive slap in the face for Scunthorpe and for the fans, sort of thing. But it was it, it was something obviously the players felt that you know in a way, let's give you know we want to be established championship players and we want to back ourselves playing against for you know big clubs and stuff like that because you know Nigel Nigel always said like listen you know what Scunthorpe is, you know the size of it sort of thing. And Mr. Walton said, look, we can't, unfortunately, we'd love to get a bigger stadium. We'd love to get, you know, bigger crowds. We'd love to get, you know, bit better players, stuff like that. But unfortunately, Scunthorpe can't. 
it just isn't. It just hasn't got the fan base. It just hasn't got, you know, the the attraction that sort of thing. It's just it's going to be extremely hard sort of thing. So there was no animosity or, or bad words about you know you shouldn't go or can't believe you're going or you're a Judas or anything like that. It was a case of nicer since day one. If anyone's got an opportunity to bet themselves for their family, you've got to take it because life is short and the game is short and you never know what's going to happen and. You know, I, I want to wish everyone all the best sort of thing. And Nigel's so good with every single one sort of thing. And do you know what I mean? It was just, it just made that little bit easier sort of thing. But it was a shame because I say it was so close to signing a new deal that things didn't really go that way. And it wasn't Mr. Wharton's fault at all. Do you know what I mean? Because he's, he, unfortunately, if Miss Wharton had his way, he would have given everyone everything they wanted. And we obviously would have, the problem it would have been is then it would have really put Scunfall in a lot of debt, a lot of problems sort of thing because he was too generous. So he knew that he could only give players a certain amount because he knew the revenue that was coming in to go out sort of thing. And that's why when you look at it, Scunthorpe's so fortunate that they haven't really, for many, 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 many years, been in debt as a club. When Mr. Walton was there, there was never in the red. There was always in the green because they'll either go on, if they can win on a cut run, then they'll give the manager some more money to go and invest in players or that sort of thing. If we don't go on a cut run, then we have to keep it short. So it was a, a result-based scenario, which was fantastic the way Mr. Warren ran it. And, that's, and if you ask any businessman, that's how it works. The more results you get, the more rewards you're going to get. And, um, and that's why uh, Mr. Warren done it so well. And like you say, he could have easily give us loads of money and we would all stayed. And we could have got relegated the following year and then Scumfolk could have been five million in debt going into League One again. And that's what we didn't do going into the Championship the first time where he didn't just splash his cash and get loads of players in to get relegated to think, wow, we need to, we need to find five billion now. We need the players to go up. We need to, you know, we need to cut the wage bill and the knives would have really struggled. So they managed it so well. And like you say, I think at that time there, it worked out for everyone, if I'm honest. And it was really hard to leave Scunthorpe at that time. It really was. It was, it was the hardest time out of my whole time to leave Scunthorpe um, because of the success and because of what I achieved and because I was playing my best football. Um, and that's why, obviously, last game of the season when we're playing Nottingham Forest at home, Nige actually said to me, and this is what I mean about man management and the person, the class that he is, he said, obviously, you know, I'm going to start the players that warrant the start purely because of what they've done for me this season, but also the players that are going to be, you know, realistically or might be leaving I want you all to get a send-off by the fans because you deserve it because you've done well for the club and you deserve that. So that's why Nige took me off with a couple minutes to go to give me, um, you know, to, to let me have a, a proper goodbye to the fans in a way because he said, I've never, you don't know if you're going to come back, but this might be the last game you ever played for Scumford and put on the shirt. So, you know, you've been, a, you know, a legend for the club and you've done so well that I want you to have a send-off and I want the fans to give you a send-off as well. So, do you know what I mean? That, that was, do you know what I mean? That, that was such a, a a nice gesture from a man. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.